Great news. Side Retired is now partnered with SeedGeek. For all ticketing needs, go to SeedGeek.com and use promo code SideRetiredPod for $20 off your first order. We've got you covered from all things ranging from sporting events to concerts, including postseason baseball and Harry Styles. Yes, this means we're officially taking you out to the ballgame. And now for today's edition of Side Retired Podcast. It's playoff season, so of course you are getting extra side-retired content. It is Dylan joined by Jack, as always, and today, technically it is Tuesday morning, you're getting a double episode because either right above or below this one, you should see our great interview that we just had with Javier Reyes, talking all things San Diego Padres and Mets and Emma Stone and everything like that, so if you haven't checked that out yet, definitely make sure to check out that episode. But today's episode, we're talking Guardians and we're talking Yankees as they get set to go in the American League Division Series. Jack, as Mr. Yankee, how are you doing today? Fantastic. I'm very excited, but, you know, I think this is a very advantageous matchup for my the Yankees, but at the same time, if it ends up, you know, not going the way I want, that just makes it 10 times worse. But feeling good, ready for my team to return to a actual series in uh, playoff baseball for the first time since 2021. Hopefully they win their first uh, longer than three-game series for the first time since 2019. So, you know, I know that seems like very spoiled to talk about is that being a long time, but for several Yankee fans, including myself, it is. So, you know, very excited. We're ready to be back and uh, ready to get going. The Mets haven't won a playoff game at home in 22 years. I have not seen them. They won a playoff game at home too. Celebra- no, clinching playoff game. They have not won and seen them celebrate in 22 years, my entire lifetime. So I do not want you to be talking about 2019 being such a long time because we're still in denial that we just lost less than 24 hours ago. But of course, I digress. We're going to talk about the pitching matchups and the lineups and sort of positional breakdowns of which team has the upper edge, the Yankees, the Guardians, the pitching matchups as of right now. Game one, Garrett Cole versus Cal Quantrill. Game two, Nestor Cortez versus Shane Bieber. And game three, Luis Severino versus Tristan McKenzie. This is really the strengths of the Guardians. I know the Yankees also have a really strong starting pitching group of three guys there, but the Guardians, this is where they're going to probably shine the brightest because their offense isn't great. Meanwhile, the Yankees do have great hitters as well. But your thoughts on these three pitching matchups? I really really like game one. I think Cal Contrell has been slightly overrated just because his ERA plays much better than his expected metrics. Um, You look at, you know, someone like me, he has been very good this year. I'm not trying to like, belittle his uh what he did as a pitcher but you know his 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 xfip and his and his sierra both are lackluster compared to where his era was and so to suggest you know for example like just the discrepancy is an 86 era minus versus a 99 fit minus just showing like i know those are like kind of um complicated to maybe get off the tongue but they're just saying his era does not play to the same level that his fit xfip sierra etc so it's a suggestion that maybe the the star caliber pitching that he's had this year, you know, he's got a three three ERA, which is better than Garrett Cole's. Frankly, he's not he's not on the same thread as for pitcher because of all those underlying numbers, strikeouts, walks, ground ball rate, all his, his batted ball peripherals are nowhere close to where Cole is as a pitcher. So I think that game one matchup is really good for the Yankees. You know, they got to fully rest. They've done simulated games this past week with their starters, so they get to have their pitching lined up in the way they want it, where all their guys are on regular rest prepared and amped up for game one. It's back in the Bronx, first time since 2019. 
Very, very excited for that game. So certainly a game that you look like the Yankees should win, one that if they do they do go on to win, it puts them in a much better position. You have your race on the mound. You gotta go win that game. For the other two, I think they're they're more they're closer. Uh probably give Cleveland the end. The slight edge, probably just off the starting pitching with Bieber versus Nestor and Seve versus Tristan McKenzie. Though, just as Dylan mentioned, that's the Cleveland's biggest strength. It's wait, their starting pitching isn't another stratosphere compared to their offense versus the Yankees' pitching. Starting pitching probably isn't their first strength when you think of them as they led the major leagues in home runs. They have the best hitter on the planet. So it's it's just it goes to show that the Yankees are a very deep team, one with several strengths. You do uh, probably prefer to have uh, Shane Bieber or Tristan McKenzie, but at the same time, Nestor Cortez or uh, Luis Severino are both very, very capable of outdueling those guys in those respective games. So do, am I saying that you should expect a sweep? Probably not, but I think it lends itself to that, that the Yankees could be in a very good position to do so, especially considering their bullpen is not as deep as it used to be. I'd say right now your top three guys, assuming Ron Marinaccio is on the IL, would be Clay Holmes, Wandy Peralta, Wandy Peralta, and, uh, and Jonathan Lawaziga. The good thing about this new playoff schedule is that after each game, for the first three, the Yankees have an off day in between. So they they play uh, today, Tuesday, as you as you're listening to this. Then they're off tomorrow. They play Thursday. They're off Friday, and then they play Saturday. So their pen guys are going to be able to use their exact high leverage guys who they want in each particular matchup without having to go into their lackluster, you know, depths of their bullpen. So if your starters can give you length and you're able to go to your top three guys for all three games, that gives you an advantage that maybe Cleveland doesn't have. They have a very, they have a strong pen as well, especially probably the best reliever in the American League, Emmanuel Classe. But the Yankees have a deeper one and one that if, if they use their pitching wisely, could be very well utilized given the new playoff schedule. Um, you know, uh, I think playoff, the, the pitching lends itself to that, given that Cleveland does have probably the overall better matchup. But the offense, I think we've just seen Cleveland went scoreless for 15 innings versus the Tampa Bay Rays. So the Yankees, they have a lineup that, you know, people really don't really acknowledge this as much. But 2019, 2020, 2021, the reason the Yankees were eliminated was because of their offense. They were unable to score. The Aaron Judge was the only player who showed up in the final game of 2020. In 2021, it was Giancarlo Stanton. Like, you cannot be depending on these sole guys. Aaron Judge, you know, it's a three-game series, so he might not be the same Barry Bonds-esque hitter we've seen throughout the entirety of this season. You need guys like Anthony Rizzo, Oswaldo Cabrera, Labor Torres, Matt Carpenter, fingers crossed. Hope maybe Josh Donaldson will, get his, will be worth his contract. If those guys actually show up to hit, that makes this a much better team versus, you know, the line that we've seen before where the Yankees will go off and be a juggernaut one game like they were in game one of the ALCS in 2019. And then the offense totally disappears for the remainder of the series. So consistent hitting and the length from their starting pitcher is going to be what the key to this team going to be winning the series is. I think with the Cleveland Guardians offense, I'll go with them for a second to give you a little break. The Guardians offense is not going to stand out. There's no judge. There's no stand. There's no huge, massive, big name that everyone in baseball knows. Jose Ramirez is by far their best player and is arguably a top five player in the league that nobody hears about because he's playing in Cleveland. And it's sad and it's disappointing, but he's a switch hitting third baseman that absolutely rakes. Is probably top two, maybe top one third baseman in baseball along with Nolan Arenado. I think you can agree with that even seeing him from across the field. But Jose Ramirez is the key that stirs the pot with this team. If Jose Ramirez does well, the Guardians have a shot. If he goes silent, the Guardians are going to get swept in three games. It's as simple as that. We saw in one of, I think it was either, I think it was game one, where Bieber pitched really well. 
Jose Ramirez hit a two-run homer, and then Emmanuel Clase closed out the game, and they used nobody else but those three key guys. And that's the Guardians' recipe for success. They do have a couple other interesting players on offense. Steven Kwan was a guy that did not strike out in the entirety of April, maybe once or twice. Andres Jimenez was the all-star starter at second base. Josh Naylor could be ready for a big postseason moment at any given time. Oscar Gonzalez obviously had the walk-off home run in the 15th inning against the Tampa Bay Rays and uses SpongeBob SquarePants as his walk-up music. So obviously, shout out to Oscar Gonzalez there. Ahmed Rosario, former Met, coming back to New York. I know it's not against the Met, but you always know there might be a little chip on his shoulder thing. Oh, I've hated the Yankees for years. Time for me to do something against them. But really a lot of scrappy players put together that are going to put the ball in play. I know Garrett Cole is the huge strikeout pitcher, and he strikes out. I think it was the most in baseball this season. He set the Yankee record for most strikeouts in a season in history, surpassing, I think it was Ron Guidry. But this Guardians team is going to put the ball in play, whether it's Ramirez, Jimenez, Rosario, and it's going to be a matter of can the Yankees' defense make the plays and make the outs. Aaron Judge is going to be fine in center field. Isaiah kind of Bader, Bader's playing center. Bader, okay, Bader's in center. So this Yankees' defense can definitely handle putting the ball in play, but for a guy like Garrett Cole, who's built on striking guys out, going to be interesting to see what's going to happen when the guardians are putting the ball in play consistently yeah as you mentioned i think the one guy who scares me the most is certainly jose ramirez garrett cole actually did well against him in his start back you know it's on the entire an eternity ago back in april the yankees uh, swept the guardians i think you really can't make that your, your how you evaluate how this team's going to do one it included them roughing up uh emmanuel class a which featured uh a go-ahead IKF double in the ninth, which a lot, you know, IKF pretty rough season for him. I don't think we can be expecting that kind of production off that caliber stuff, you know, throughout the remainder of the postseason. If we, if that is what we get, then the Yankees are walking to a World Series, and I will gladly <laughs> use my words. But Jose Ramirez, as you mentioned, is is certainly the scariest hitter for his career. He has a 144 OPS plus versus the Yankees and a 209 OPS plus at Yankee Stadium. So someone who's going to be hitting mostly from the left side of the plate as he faces the majority right-handers with that short porch. Uh, just for reference, a 209 OPS plus, that's what Aaron Judge had for the entirety of this year. So in, oh, in Yankee Stadium, Jose Ramirez turns into 2022 Aaron Judge, someone who we certainly do not want to be facing so he, he lends himself his swing uh, being a lefty. He lends himself to that kind of ballpark. And he's certainly the weapon that can catalyze. He was the entirety of the of the Guardians offense in game one and uh, driven 50 percent, no, three quarters of their runs, 50 percent of their homers in the two game series, which, you know, uh, kind of a manipulating way of putting it. But for the argument uh, rests, it's certainly Jose Ramirez, very feared hitter. And he's going to be if the Yankees do end up losing it's likely going to be because Ramirez showed up and torched their starting pitching since we have not talked about the Yankees since this occurred it seems like the Araldis Chapman era in the Bronx is officially over as he didn't show up for a workout on Friday and has been told to go home your thoughts on this I think it's technically five years six years tenure of Araldis Chapman as the once closer and heir to Mariano Rivera and now sort of getting left off a playoff roster there would be times where I defend Chapman just because I think when you took your the 20, you know, 20, 2019 or maybe 2020 out of context, like, you know, look at guys like Josh Hader before, like every single closer ends up most of the time they end up blowing their team season because they go in, in high leverage. Maybe they come in and inherit runners on base. Like it's likely there's one team that makes it to the postseason that they don't blow their last, that they don't lose in their last game. So it's very like Edwin Diaz came in this year and just, yeah, he came in with runners on base and, and Juan Soto drove in two off of him. And he's probably had one of, if not the best seasons we've ever seen from a relief pitcher. 
So it's kind of hard when you just take it out of context where you look at, all right, yeah, we'll evaluate him based on his last performance of the postseason. But with that being said, like there have been very high of highs, you know, beginning of 2021, not talked about enough. Araldis Chapman, I like I compared him to like the mountain from Game of Thrones. He came in and it was in, it was over when he came, he stepped on. He would throw a 101 and dot it. And then he would throw a splitter in the dirt that it would you would see major league hitters whip at it and they couldn't believe their eyes at what they were seeing. Then he got roughed up by current Yankee John Donaldson and Nelson Cruz in Minnesota, and the wheels came off, and he has not been the same pitcher since. The location has been nowhere close. But the thing that even is you know more unfathomable is that he still has the 70, 80 grade stuff. He has four pitches, two of of a 70 on an 80 grade scale out of 80. Two of them are have 70 grade stuff, which is like elite, elite Jacob deGrom, and has two with 80, which is like un, unforeseen. So this stuff is unreal. It's unmatched amongst all major leagues. You have not just not two pitches like that makes you Jacob deGrom. To have four is unheard of. So to see a guy with that kind of level stuff with you know, the control issues, like literally meaning control in the baseball sense, like he cannot throw for strikes. And then also the control is in terms of off the field where, yeah, I'm not guaranteed to be on the roster because I've had a terrible year and shown that I'm not capable of throwing the ball where I want to, but I'm not going to show up and support my teammates because I'm not guaranteed a spot. Just shows the type of character he is and an indictment, you know, uh, Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone are fully justified in everything they say. And, you know, I had defended Chapman for on the field performance prior to the past two years, but I have nothing left to say for him. He's gone. I'm sure someone's going to take a flyer on him, but thankfully it will not be the New York Yankees. And, you know, it's gotten to the point where myself and every other Yankee fan is just sick of having to deal with him and the spiel that he does. He comes in, he's sweating out of his mind, wearing something that he shouldn't be given the weather. And then he throws one to the backstop more, more times than not. I've seen him. There have been more times I see Chapman walk in a game-winning run and see him lit, lit it up and play, perform in the playoffs. So nothing more to say on that, man. <laughs> All right, we will wrap things up by going with a bold prediction for the series and who is going to be your series hero. Because I assume I know who you're going to say is going to win. But uh, Yeah, I'll, I'll say the Yankees win. I think mm-hmm. I, this is probably – if you asked me to pick who I wanted the Yankees to play in the American League, I probably would have picked the Guardians, which makes – I'm actually more nervous for this than I was in, like, 2019 facing our, like one of the best constructed teams of all time that featured Derek Cole, Justin Verlander, Zach Greinke. Just because of that expectation that the Yankees should win this series, that the fact that, you know, I've done some torturing the past couple, you know, day and a half after the Mets lost. So I'm definitely going to get it coming for me if the Yankees do not win the series. But at the same time, you know, they should win. They have the better matchup, the close, the Guardians' biggest strength. The Yankees really aren't that far behind. Um, The hero of my series, I'm going to say Luis Severino shows up and closes it out and has the best performance out of the six the first six starting pitchers, he performs the best. Game three, they shut it out in Cleveland. The Yankees sweep. I think the Yankees are going to win in four. I think it's a gentleman's sweep. I think the Guardians will win at least one game. Anthony Rizzo is hitting a couple homers, including one off of Shane Bieber. Mark it down. Game two, first inning. Anthony Rizzo is going to be hitting, what, third in the order, probably. I think uh, I, mean, I think they might be rolling up Judge's leadoff, so he could be hitting highest too. But yeah, probably. Two okay, or three. so there's gonna Judge is gonna be on first base after a walk. Rizzo's gonna come up and slap a home run to the right field porch. Two nothing Yankees early in game two. Now, why am I being a Yankee homeboy? And this is an interesting take. And you know, I have the Mets fan on, and the Mets are now eliminated from the playoffs. So we need to determine who we want to root for. 
And if it's a National League team, sure. But we know it's not the Phillies. It's surely not the Braves. And probably not the Padres now because we just saw that the Padres were, you know, they're the team that eliminated us. The one thing that cannot happen for the New York Mets is the Cleveland Guardians Indians cannot win a World Series with Andres Jimenez and Ahmed Rosario before Francisco Lindor wins one with the Mets. With that being said, if you're a Mets fan, you kind of have to root for the Yankees in this series. Andres Jimenez and Ahmed Rosario cannot win a World Series for Lindor. The city of Cleveland took Donovan Mitchell from us in another sport. We just don't like Cleveland if we're in New York, so we have to mutter the phrase, to quote the great Craig Carton, Mets fans for Yankees. I was about to say the phrase. I'm not going to say the three-word phrase that you want me to say that's similar to Let's Go Mets with a different team inserted at the end. But we have to root for the Yankees in this series because we cannot let Cleveland advance if you're a real Mets fan. Wow. So you heard it here. And, you know, I think I've been tortured by Dylan before about Garrett Cole, but to see him rooting for the ace of New York in the Bronx. Uh, nah, not the uh, ace of New York. There's a, there's yeah, another out of all pitch out of the New York pitchers who are currently pitching. He's the ace. We're currently pitching. Wow. You know, what? <laughs> you're really pushing. No, us well, I want Ahmed Rosario to win a world series but, and bring it back to New York. But yeah. I, I will say though, um, just news that came out now, I guess we'll talk about Jamison Tyone has been officially announced to be in the bullpen for the New York Yankees. So interesting there. Maybe they go with the three-man rotation and they have either him, maybe potentially Frankie Montas open game four. Or, you know, you could see Garrett Cole will be on regular rest. So if the Yankees are doing a gentleman sweep, like uh, Dylan said, because of the two off days, they could have Cole go game four to try to shut it out. But that would make him unavailable for the first two games of the ALCS. So we'll see how that, uh, how Aaron Boone strategizes there. But some interesting news also is DJ LeMayu. It's not uh, ruled in or out yet for the, the ALDS roster. So the Yankees, you know, at his best, DJ was the second best hitter on the team. He hasn't been in that form for a while. So I think, you know, no fan was really expecting that from him this series. So it's, you know, definitely a tough blow, but one that and not an unforeseeable um, obstacle. Hopefully they, they can find he is going to be on the roster. But if not, I think, the way Glaber's been hitting, Oswaldo Cabrera, you know, a super utility man. I think they should be able to make do without him, but certainly a better team with DJ on the field. I will say Cole would be on one day short of regular rest because if he's going Tuesday, that would mean game four on Saturday. No, because the oh, 12th, he's off the – so game one is the 11th. Then so game Tuesday. two is the 13th. This one is Thursday. Oh, there's a day. Oh, that's right. The American League, they yeah. did the – so the so AL has off, regular rest for game the four. AL has a game off between game one and two. Yeah, and two just and to three. hang out, and then there's going to be the travel day between two and three, yeah. and then three and four and five are all back to back to back because for yes. some reason there's a day off between one and two in the same cities, and there's not a day off between it's hypothetically they traveling. Between. They don't want to do the they don't want to do the four game slate during the week, so they split up AL NL. Interesting. Could have started them a day later. Yeah, and I guess with the wild card, they don't want to give a team an extra rest out of that series. But I mean, you could have gone the had. I mean, it's unforeseeable, but you could have had the AL teams go today because yeah. all of them have wild cards. But mm -hmm. whatever, uh, water under the bridge. But yes, I'm now calculating. The Yankees are the team that Mets fans have to root for in the playoffs because we don't want Jared Kelenic to win either. And I don't think anyone wants to root for the Houston Astros. And that leaves you with the Dodgers and the Yankees. And I guess maybe the Brooklyn Dodgers connection if you have a grandparent who roots for the Dodgers, but we don't like Justin Turner. So that leaves us with the big, bad, older brother and 
sometimes the younger brother has to support his big brother when he's at a concert or when he's at a sporting event. So there you go. I've made my statement that Jack, it's on record. If I have to now root for a team in the rest of the playoffs, it's it's your boys in pinstripe. All right. Well, hopefully I'm not the mush and now all of a sudden every team I pick loses. But for Dylan and Jack, we'll be back with probably instant reactions. Jack, we can commit either. We'll probably go after game one, after game one and two. We'll also provide some a couple other interviews that will occur this week with other playoff previews. I know we have one with the Phillies coming up relatively soon as well. So lots of fun content with the playoffs around the corner. It isn't going to be as structured as normal. It's Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We'll get back to that at the end of the postseason. But for now, you'll just be getting sporadic episodes whenever something happens to talk about in the playoffs. All good? All good. All right. Until the next time, for Dylan, James, and Jack, the side is retired.